I just love our time of worship here. Thank you for engaging and for uh, just putting your heart into it. it. Again, engaging with God in worship is it doesn't necessarily look a certain way, but it certainly feels a certain way. And I, I'm, I'm just so happy to feel that presence here, a thick presence of the Holy Spirit. It just makes me so joyful. I smile every time. Um, we're in the middle of a series now called Alive, Not Just Living, and... Uh, just to recap everything we've done really quickly, essentially we saw that the supremacy of Christ, who Christ is in our lives, dismisses what we try to bring as mediums to God. Okay? So just summarize again, what we've seen is that the supremacy of Christ, who Christ is in our lives and what He's done for us, dismisses all our ways and all our traditions and all our religious ways of approaching God, all our mediums to the approach of God. And that brings sometimes culture, that brings in sometimes religion, and Paul says in this letter, look, look at who Christ is, look at His sufficiency based on His supremacy, look at how sufficient he is don't try to add things to it and uh jeff allen last week brought a beautiful awesome and funny illustration where on this cross he started doing what we try to do right he started adding things that we feel are good ways to approach god and he hammered some things on he put some weird candles on there he put all sorts of different things on it to illustrate how futile it is for us to bring our ways of approaching god the week before that the illustration was that if we were to look at a Van Gogh painting, God, Jesus and his work is much like the work of a Van Gogh painting. And when you try to bring something into it, it's like you trying to add more color or more strokes to it. It's complete. It's sufficient. You don't have to do anything else to it. In fact, you're going to kind of... Uh, tarnish it if you try to bring something to it you miss it you miss the supremacy and the sufficiency of christ he's done it it's done with now we've come to a crucial point which we kind of touched upon a few weeks ago which is okay so don't live religiously put your religion aside put all these festivities or or gnostic ways of approaching god jeff taught us what that word meant it was these people that tried to you know they claimed to have the key to knowledge and i'm not going to get into that uh fully in, in this moment but the whole point was that now jesus represents the fullness of the knowledge of god he gives us all the knowledge all the mystery of god is represented in him we saw that in colossians 2 so as jeff said why are you trying to bring all this stuff as ways to know more about God or as ways to be more in touch with God or as ways to be more just, I guess, worthy of God. No, Jesus makes us worthy. And so now the whole point is, okay, we're putting religion aside, but don't confuse that with liberty of life. And by that I mean liberty to sin, license to sin. There's, There's a key distinction that Paul is trying to bring here Don't do religion. Christ made it so that you are worthy. Now walk as if you're worthy. And that's different from religion. Timothy Keller uh, recently tweeted this quote, and I just love it because he's really good at getting big theological ideas into small, compact sentences. He says, If you can't show the difference between religion and the gospel, people will confuse morality with a changed heart. Oh my goodness, that is so good. 
Let me, let me repeat that. If you can't show the difference between religion and the gospel, complete over here, people will confuse morality with a changed heart. So wait, are you saying we, sh- we shouldn't be moral? No, the, the, that's not what I'm saying. What we're saying is that the gospel says that we are a changed person, a changed heart, changed desires, changed thoughts in place of a person that tries to act morally and bring his things and place them over here on the cross. That's different. That's religious. That's me trying to measure up to be morally worthy. Christ makes me morally worthy. And now he's changing who I am. And that's the key question that we want to ask ourselves today. How are we in our walk in that process of change? Is our inner circuitry changing? Is our, as Teresa said a couple of weeks ago in a conversation with me, is our spiritual DNA changing? What does, what, am I exhibiting a changed heart? Do I want to love people, not feel obligated to love people? That's religion. To feel obligated to love people versus I want to love people because I've experienced the grace and forgiveness that Jesus Christ brings about. And I, I, I want to have that, I want to give that grace that I don't deserve. I want to give it to others versus, okay, checklist. How many times did I pray today? How many times did I listen to Chris Tomlin this week versus uh, K-Rock? How many, t- I mean, that's religious. That's obligations, lists versus a changed heart. A changed heart. And that's what we're looking at today. I'm going to read through our verses, and then we'll kind of break it apart by looking at other writings that Paul has on this subject. Colossians verses, or excuse me, chapter 3, verses 5 through 14. Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 14. And it says this, put to death, he said that before, by the way, he says it a lot, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetous, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you two once walked. Go ahead and circle that one too. Circle death, circle walked. When you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed, another uh, circling word, in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, I can't even say that word, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all. Thank you for God's grace on my lack of pronunciation there. And in all, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, change of heart, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. It's not an obligation I want to do it because I've been forgiven. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. If I were to summarize all that, it's 
your heart is supposed to be changing because of what's happened in you, and thus your actions should be changing. If you're trying to change your actions alone, religion. If you're trying to change your actions alone, religion. No. Your heart, your desires need to change. He gives you two groups of five sins, or heart sins, if you will. He says sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. Then he goes into anger, wrath. He's getting deeper to the heart. Notice that? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And then he says, put off those practices. Put on the new practices. You're being renewed. What's being renewed? Your knowledge, your thoughts, your heart. What you yearn for. What you want to do. And he gives you five. I call it the five, five, five. Five, five, five sins, five sins. And then he gives you the five virtues that burst out of the heart, of a changed heart. And it says, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And above all these, put on love because that's really what it is, a loving heart. Because I've been forgiven, I want to forgive. Don't be religious. Don't try to do the stuff for the sake of approval. I've been approved. I've been forgiven. Woo, I want to love people. I want to show them the love of Christ that lives in me. That's way different than religion. That's why people nowadays say Christianity isn't religion. Again, we've said this before, I get why they say it is, but religion says, make your way to the worthiness of God. Christianity says, I've been made worthy. Change me, I'm a new person. And here we see, specifically it says, take off the old self and put off, put on the new self. It's talking about basically taking off a uniform and putting on a new uniform of who you're in now. You're in Team Jesus now. And, you know, I watch basketball. I'm watching the playoffs right now. My team is out, the Clippers. Oh, injury. I know. We always fall short. I know. I get it. You guys can make fun of me. I get it. The Lakers have 17, 18, I don't know, titles. I get it. Sorry. But here's a team that I respect and despise at the same time. The Spurs. The San Antonio Spurs. I I despise them because they're my rivals always in the West Conference. But I respect what they bring to the table. They have an identity. When they bring in new players, uh, last year they brought in uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, who scored 38 points yesterday as they beat the living daylights out of the thunder. He scored 38 points. They bring him in, and he wears a new uniform. It says Spurs. And when you've looked and seen reportings on how the Spurs work, their coach, Greg Popovich, he says, look, um, it's not about plays that we draw. It's not about how talented our players are, though that's important. It's that when people come in here, there's a new philosophy and a new identity that they put on when that Spurs shirt falls on them. When that jersey falls on them, it's a new identity. It's a new system. They want to share the ball. They want to make sure the other player gets the credit. They want to make sure that they're always playing as a unit. It's a new identity. And the funny thing is you can't come into that team and wear that jersey if you don't buy into that. Okay? You can't put that jersey on if you're not buying into that system. If you come in and say, no, I'm going to play hero ball, and that's what, in basketball, that's when you, you, it's all you, you just go against everyone, one-on-one, 
You can't play hero ball and be part of the Spurs system. Their system is different. It's a new identity. In order for you to wear that uniform, you have to play like a Spur. In order for you to wear the new self of Jesus Christ, you have to walk as a Christian. But it's because you buy into the philosophy, you're changing because of a heart change out. Your works, your actions, your thoughts, your very... Uh, your very actions with people, everything you do is a result of the abundance of your heart coming out, bursting forth. That's what it's all about. And that's why the first bullet point is our behavior must match our new person in Christ. It just must match it. Our behavior must match our new person. Again, new uniform that we're wearing. It says in Colossians 3, 9, and 10, again, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self, throw away the old uniform. You're not in that team anymore. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Now, there's something key to the switching of the uniform. For me to take off my old uniform and decide to wear a new uniform, as I said, I have to buy into the system. And there's a key phrase in that verse there. It says, being renewed in knowledge. Again, your heart or mind or both, your desires, your way of thinking has to change. And the key question that we'll answer by the end of this today is how do I bring about the change in that heart? Sure, the Bible says it. Change the heart so that you walk as a Christian. But how do you do that? A new heart, new heart. How, how does that happen? I want it, I want it. That's what we want to see today. How do I renew the knowledge after the image of its creator? Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 19, has a very similar wording of this concept that we're talking about changing who you are putting on the new uniform it says in chapter 4 of ephesians verses 17 through 19 now this i say in testifying the lord that you must no longer again circle walk you must no longer walk basically that means behavior your behavior no longer walk as the gentiles do in the futility of their minds They're walking sinfully because their heart is not changed. Their thoughts are not changed. And their futility of their minds. We're going to see this knowledge, minds, renewal of thought, renewal of heart. We're going to see this a lot today. They are darkened in their understanding. Alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Again, same core issue. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. The problem is how we think, how our hearts are inclined. What are they inclined towards? A couple of verses later in that chapter, it says, But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off, here it is again, your old self, take off that old team uniform, which belongs to your former manner of life and, it's corrupt, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Deceitful, as in they deceive my mind. 
deceitful and to be renewed. Again, the key word renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 23 is explaining how verse 24 happens. How do I put on the new uniform? Verse 23 says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self in verse 24. So that's how I, I, I buy into the system. I need to experience some type of renewal. Bullet point number two says the new person thinks differently and therefore acts differently. This is what I said earlier. Don't try to change your actions. Change how you think so that your actions naturally change. The new person thinks differently and therefore acts differently. I love the renew passages in the Bible. There's quite a few, and here's one of them. Romans 12, 2. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul is telling us that we can't subscribe to this futility that he was talking about earlier, the way of the world, and I have to experience a change in how I think and how I feel about things. And here it is, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, I renew my mind, it says there, and then the will of God is something that I can participate in. And in fact, now I know what is good and acceptable and perfect, and that's how I walk. I experience this renewal. You have to be renewed. Otherwise, your your actions are just religion. They're just religion. In the verses that we read earlier in Colossians, again, it says new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. In those main verses that we read earlier in Colossians 3, it says, renewed in knowledge. Renewed in knowledge, renewed in mind. Again, this is something that's coming up consistently. And the whole point is that if this is the key to matching the uniform I'm wearing, changing how I think, how my heart functions and my mind functions, how do I accomplish that? How do I do the renewal? So I want to change how I think and feel so that I act differently. How do I renew? How do I accomplish that? It's a process that's only power, uh, possible excuse me, by the Holy Spirit. Renewed thinking is only possible by the Holy Spirit. It is an ongoing process through the Word and prayer. Okay. Applicality. There it is. Excuse me, I said that wrong. Applicability. (laughs) I'm so excited. I'm thinking faster than I talk. I want to walk differently and renew myself through the power of the Holy Spirit. But what does that mean? Where's the applicability of this? How do I do that? Through the Word and prayer. We've said this before here. We want to... Find a way of renewing our knowledge how the word and prayer. Now, this isn't just me saying, yes, go and pray uh, X amount of times. Go and read the word X amount of times. No, again, this is something that's, that's a natural, enabled by the Holy Spirit process. This is a change that's available to you. And it'll happen naturally once you engage with it. And this isn't a made-up concept. This is from Scripture. Titus 
chapter 3. In the letter Titus chapter 3 verse 5, it says explicitly that the renewal is by the Holy Spirit. And that's why this is a, this is a core theological concept that if I want to experience the renewal, first and foremost, it is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Don't try to say, okay, I'm not a Christian. I'm going to change how I think and how I feel so that I am a good person. It's just not going to happen to its fullest extent outside of Christ. The Holy Spirit, which is given to you because of what Christ did on that cross, that's what enables it. So it is only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it is an ongoing process through the Word and prayer, but we see this explicitly in chapter 3 of Titus, in verse 5. It says, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. There it is, the renewal again. Thinking differently. Having a heart that bursts out differently. Not towards the deceitful desires. Not towards the futile things that the world is chasing. But these new affections and love that are in you because of the experience that you had. And now you want to extend that love All those other virtues centered in a new heart, love. That's what changes my walk. This isn't the only passage that points to the fact that it's only done by the Holy Spirit. I told you earlier, circle those walk words, right? We saw the walk. I told you also, circle those death words, right? These are not... Uh, the only instances, when you go to Galatians chapter 5 and Romans chapter 8, Paul says, put to death the desires of the flesh. Put to death, and I'm paraphrasing here, but that, that we put the desires of the flesh to death by the Holy Spirit. He says, walk in the Spirit. So again, it is enabled by the Holy Spirit. We have to recognize that. Christ is the one that starts the change of the heart. Don't try to change it by yourself. You will fall short. As Romans 3 says, you will just fall short. Go, run towards Christ. He did it for you. Get the Holy Spirit that empowers you to a new changed heart. And then walk in that changing, constant renewal by the Word and the Scripture. Let's see why that's the case. Where does it say this? 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is the passage that everyone goes to to talk about why the Bible is the inspired Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16-17, through 17, and it says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. Again, that's the part that everyone uh, usually brings up when they're explaining why the Word of God is in fact inspired by God. But here's what's important for us today. For reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped, enabled, equipped for every good work. So the Word of God starts this this process of chiseling my heart and of correcting, reproofing, training in righteousness, that I may be complete, equipped for every good work. Not doing good works for religion, but a changed heart that through the Word, God is working at that heart so that out comes every good work. Created in Christ Jesus uh, for good works. 
But also prayer is essential because again, this is empowered by the Holy Spirit. In fact, it just, they just work together. You can't separate it. You can't separate Bible and prayer. It, it goes together, okay? It's, it, these are hand in hand. Psalm 51.10. David, a, a, a very important person in the Bible, a king that again was elected by God, but that made some pretty big mistakes. You know, I, he, the worst of the worst type of sins, murder for the sake of, of hiding an adulterous sin, etc., uh, etc. Et like, bad stuff. David did bad stuff. And this is how he responds to that. This is how he prays in Psalm 51, chapter 51, verse 10. He says, I can't do it by my actions, by the way. Here's what he says. Create in me a clean heart. Oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. This, these are again inseparable. You gotta pray for it and you gotta seek it in the Word of God. And it makes sense that these two are tied together because in Hebrews it says that the Word of God is living and active. It's a sword that pierces through your soul. It pierces and lifts things that aren't supposed to be there and convicts you of those things and says, get those out of the way. Let's chisel. So the word and prayer are hand in hand in that process. They have to be there. But again, don't, don't mix it up. It's not religion. Don't check mark how many times you do this. Okay? Don't, don't feel like you have to do it an X amount of times. Start seeking it naturally and you're gonna realize that your heart's affection are changing by the Holy Spirit. Suddenly you're gonna wanna read more. Suddenly you're gonna memorize, not because you're trying to memorize scripture. You're gonna memorize because it happens naturally. That's why a lot of times I know verses, but I don't know their numbers. I quote stuff, but I don't know the numbers. I say, ah, somewhere in Romans 8, somewhere in Galatians 5. Because th- these things that, that I've, I've read them and they just, oh, I love them. And out they come, but I, I'm not necessarily trying to memorize them for religious sake. They're just a natural outpouring of the heart, of a heart that's been forgiven and knows all the immorality I used to participate in. So in Psalm 51, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And in 2 Timothy, we're told the Scripture is the one that helps us correct ourselves and find what's, what, what it is that we're supposed to do. I like finding a way of, again, showing how these two are hand in hand. And with this, I end a psalm that for me has often been a prayer and is also a reading of the Bible because it's a psalm. I love praying through the Bible. I think there's power in that. You know what? We said this before. I remember Teresa yelled this when I asked, how did Jesus dismiss temptations? And she said, the word. He used the sword of the Spirit. He used the Word. He responded to the temptation with the Word of God, the living and active Word of God. And I love praying through the Bible because there's a power in that that sin just can't overcome. Start doing that to the temptations, to the sexual immorality, to the, co- to, to, to the things you covet, to the idolatry, to the anger, wrath, malice, to the obscene talk, start speaking life. Start speaking word of God. Start praying over it. And you're going to see how it changes things. So here's Psalm 119. It's not going to be on the screen because this just came to mind before I came up here to speak. But I wrote it here. So it's not on the screen. But if you can, go to your Bibles to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I just love this psalm. I can't get enough of it. (laughs) 
Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk, circle word, in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in His ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. That's a prayer. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. This is a prayer right here. Let me not wander from your commandments. I love that prayer. I include it often because I feel so weak outside of God. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart. I've stored up. So again, notice how the change heart here is us plugging into the word and praying to let me not wander. But what, I mean, again, that prayer, he says, let me not wander from your commandments. What is it followed up by? Storing your word, Lord, in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. You're more than anything else the world can provide. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Jeff ended last week by saying, set your mind on the things above. Here it is. Here it is. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Don't try to be religious. That's the end game here today. Don't try to be religious. Don't try to just change your actions. That's futile. Deal with changing the core of you. Your, your thoughts, your heart and your mind need to be renewed. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew my mind. Do not let me wander away. Pray and go to the Word to experience this renewal which is only possible by the Holy Spirit. And only we have it as Christians. Not because of anything in us, but because of everything in Him. I receive a Holy Spirit, and now I can, through the Word and prayer, change my heart so that I naturally act and not religiously act. It's a beautiful picture. Change who I am. That's why Timothy Keller again said, if you can't show the difference between religion and the gospel, people will confuse morality with a changed heart. Let's put on the new uniform by changing how we approach our, the, the philosophy and the system of the new team that we're in. We're in Team Jesus, so we need to buy into that system. We need to pack that word deep into our heart, pray for that change to happen, and it's possible through the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I, I have to, I mean, I was going to end right there, but I have to say this. One of the things, one of the evil desires that's brought up at the beginning of these passages, sexual immorality. And I stand here not judgingly talking about that one because you guys know I once shared about how I was addicted to sexual immorality. So I'm, I'm putting myself on the spot to speak about this, okay? 
the, this is one of the areas where the world consistently is shouting that we are outdated, that the Word of God is outdated, and that the sexual lines have been redefined in many different ways. And I want to be compassionate and graceful to people that don't know Christ. They're just as much a sinner as I am. But I do want to encourage us believers to break free from the chains. If there's any little bit of that, that we can break free from the chains. You know the Greek word for that sexual immorality right there? Porneia. Pornography sneaks in, man. It sneaks in. And I, I mentioned this before. I, in the past, had a foot, there was a foothold in my life through that. And I mentioned this because, again, nowadays it's a click away. And that's just one example. Don't let the world dictate the deceitful desires that we should buy into. The Word of God is not outdated. God is eternal. His truths are eternal. And if you want to break free from this stuff, don't feel bad if you're feeling alluded to this. No! Feel great because today you break free. Don't feel bad. I was there. I was there. And... I don't feel bad that day where I'm like, oh man, I'm, I need to break this stuff free. On the contrary, it's let's go forth and do it because of what Jesus is doing in my heart through the Holy Spirit. A changing of the heart. Embrace it. Embrace it. I pray that we may put on that new uniform so that it's a natural walk and not a religious walk. I'll go ahead now and pray as the ushers come forth and the band starts coming up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you with humble hearts, recognizing that we are sinners as everyone else. Whether Christian or not, whether we are followers of you or not, we're just sinners. In fact, we can't change our hearts without you. So we pray that because of what you've done in us, if we are believers, Lord, if we walk behind you, because of what you've done in us, that the Holy Spirit at this moment continue working and chiseling at our hearts through prayer and through the Word of God. Let me not wander, Lord. Let us not wander from your commandments. Keep us on a straight path, Lord. Keep us fixed on the things that are above. Keep us fixed on the eternal things, the things that are unseen and not the things that are seen, Lord. I pray that you may bring this about in a way that people see a new self, a new uniform. Who's that person? That our behavior matches our new uniform, our new team, our new identity. As the ushers have come forth, I pray also for our tithes and offerings, Lord. I, I just put them before your feet, Lord, at the foot of the cross because this, this isn't money for the sake of money. This is just us worshiping you and saying this is already yours use it to expand your kingdom when we pray your kingdom come that's what it means that we break through walls of barriers of sin and people may come to know Jesus that's the advancement of your kingdom Lord I pray that your kingdom be advanced through our tithes and offerings multiply what we've brought because you don't need money you can do all things you walk on water you bring up the dead. You rose from the dead. You rise from the dead, Lord. Multiply our giving in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.